This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Today we are going to have a great conversation with a young lady. She's a change catalyst. She works with companies to learn how to do a whole new way of being, which can be very effective for them, the people they work with, and surprisingly enough, their customer base. And so, um, but first I need to talk to Eric. How are you, Eric? It's Monday, you know. Hey, yes. Happy Monday, Kevin. I'm doing fine. It's it's great to be here, and if you're new to uh, listening to Positive Talk Radio, if you just kind of happened to, happened along, uh, we're here Mondays at three, Wednesdays at four, Friday and Friday again, Friday at noon, and then Friday at three o'clock on Kixie. And so you're welcome to come on board anytime that we do these shows because I, I think they're pretty good personally. <laughs> of course, what would I think if I thought they were lousy? You know. All true statements. By the way, I have to mention this. I'm not going to go deeply in, in because one of the, I haven't talked to you about it yet, but I was on YouTube and there was a band on YouTube that I liked a lot. And we're not going to get into it much, but, but I just want to say that uh, uh, whoever they were, they did a really nice job and <laughs> were, were very effective. And I just wanted to congratulate whoever that was, that they did such a nice job. I won't go into it uh, without your permission, but I just wanted to say that. All right. Way to, <laughs> way to keep it vague. But <laughs> if you're talking about who I think you're talking about, then right on. <laughs> I am talking about who you think I'm talking about. And uh, if you want to go find out more, you're just going to have to wait and see. But uh, hopefully they've got a, and if, if um, God willing and the Creek don't rise when their album comes out, uh, that I may have, they may even have a representative come on the show and we could play a song or two, but that's, that's for the future. We shall see is as as it goes but i just wanted to say they were on facebook and did a really nice job so so thank you for that what's the weather going to be like my friend <laughs> well, looks like uh we've got a, a mix of these cloudy rainy days and then some more sunshine coming up this weekend so yeah not too bad for fall not, that's the way it goes that's the way it is um now now that you're in um being a program director is that would you call yourself in management is that is that a, a proper way to address you yeah i i think so i mean uh, my title is operations manager uh for the station oh, so if i said uh, no I've no management <laughs> involved then that would be false uh so yeah yeah yeah, so so you've got people that you work with and That's people right. that that you need to motivate and to keep moving in the, in in the right direction and that kind of stuff. It's it really is it becomes a real art form when you are working with people and developing a a a positive way of managing folks and and really changing uh, corporate culture for a positive thing. And the gal that we have on today is. Uh, like I said, she's a change catalyst, and she works with companies specifically, um, both uh, at the corporate level and the individual group level, 
to really change their their style of being and to be as positive as they can, which results in a happier workplace and better productivity, less turnover, and a whole bunch of good things that, that some people haven't got yet. So if you're listening and you haven't got this yet, I want you to listen to this show because it can change your company's culture and profile and can really lead you to on the next level. And uh, I hope I said all that right because um, Amy Leah is with us. And uh, Amy, I, have I misspoken in any way so far? You've not misspoken, not at all. I think there'll be more to add to what you've said. But yeah, fundamentally, I work with organizations that really want to create workplaces that are diverse, that feel inclusive, where everybody shows up and feels like they're doing meaningful work and that they can be who they are at their core when they walk through those doors. You know, on the face of it, you would think people that are listening today, and if you are in management and you're listening to this today, you would think that everybody says, well, gosh, isn't that how everybody operates? I mean, that sounds so, so good and so good for everybody. But fact of the matter is there are lots of company cultures that do not, they may say that, but they don't necessarily follow up on it. Has that been your experience? Yes. And I think we're, we're coming into a chapter of the world where employees are asking for more authenticity. Like there people are getting, are done with words coming out of people's mouths, especially managers and leaders, but no action behind that. And it takes a lot of work, a lot of inner exploration for those leaders to see how it is they're being misaligned, I think, with the messaging coming out of their mouths. And we know that there's record number of people still leaving their job. Recruitment, retention is a major topic for all organizations. All HR, human resources departments are heavily focused on that today. And so if organizations can really listen up to this conversation and, and, and get some, get some tips for how to move going forward. They'll find a lot more ease in being able to retain and also just have more joy in their own day-to-day lives, because that's really what life is about. You know, you know, it's interesting. I was in the food service business for many years and I was a district sales manager, and but I was also was a salesperson and had people I was working for. The interesting thing to me was in the in that particular business, I can't speak to all of them, but in the ones I've been involved with large corporations and food service corporations and other things, what I've found is that people who get promoted in the management, as an example, we had guys that would get promoted into a management position who were a really crackerjack sales guy. He could go out and he could sell ice Eskimos. He was just wonderful, but he did not have, or she did not have the skills that a competent manager would bring to understand how to translate what they could do naturally to other people that were maybe having, having more difficulty with it and bringing people along in a real positive environmental way. And, and it always amazed me that, that, that would, that would happen. But I think that happens a lot in industry, doesn't it? It, it really does. That's the thing. I think you've hit on something really important that most 
people that get put into manager positions, especially ones that move up the chain like that, we're not, they're not trained to be managers. It's a very different skill set than being a salesperson because now you have, you're in that middle position of leading people, but also needing to bring to life the uh, mandate of the organization from whoever is sitting above you in the board or the CEO chair. And so you're really kind of an in-betweener. And that's a very difficult or a different position than just being in charge of like sales. Um, And so people aren't given the training. And then also when people step into that, we automatically take on all the things we've been told about what managers should be like. Like I know from my family, when you got into just listening to messages from my mom and my dad they were trained in a very certain way. They were both leaders. One was a business owner and one was um, executive director of a nursing home. And they were taught a very, um, like a model that was kind of um, paramilitary in in a way (laughs) where it was like, you definitely don't make friends with people that you, that are underneath you. You don't connect to them on a human level. You're there to like guide and give orders and they're there to listen to you. Um, and kind of like really in that top down approach and, and that's falling to the wayside. People are no longer okay with that model of being. And so I think a lot of managers, CEOs as well are lost feeling that frustration of, um, working through all, all the ways they've been programmed to lead and then adhering to our, or adhering to the call of what's being asked for from employees today. Why is it that when you get to have your name on a door, suddenly <laughs> you think that uh, you're all that in a bag of chips and that, that you can do anything. And I have my name on the door. So that makes me special. <laughs> what is it about that? Oh gosh. Well, I think, we all want to be recognized. And I mean, I, I have definitely fallen into that as well. I've, I've crawled up ladders and become managers. And then all of a sudden there was ego present and I suddenly knew more than <laughs> people that were around me. And there's like a power trip that goes on. And I think if we're not aware of that and keep that in check, then we can actually create a lot of harm in the culture of the organization. I, I think the simple answer is, Kevin, that it's it's just like a natural human instinct um, that that happens. And it's kind of a way to protect yourself, you, to protect that part of you that doesn't know and doesn't actually feel comfortable <laughs> in that leadership position. And the ego can come in and and kind of cut off those human ties to make your job easier in some degree. But we really need to get that in check if we're going to manage effectively. Because they, and part of it's fear, isn't it? Oh, they, yeah. They, they're thinking, uh, 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 I, I don't know any, I don't know what they think I should know. And so I've got to, if I don't know what I'm talking about, I've got to say whatever it is forcefully so that then they will believe that I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't. Exactly. That's yeah. You really hit the nail on the head there for some people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and the funny thing is, is that you could be standing in a room with a bunch of people that are reporting to you, and you can see the look in their eyes that 
this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> and they, and then they, they do the worst possible thing, which is, all right, well, that's what he said. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm going to do what I want to do and, and the way that I want to do it. And that is very bad for a company that is all trying to all work together for the common good of all, I would think. Yeah. Or, or, or you also have people on the other end that will just do what they're told and, um, but maybe not giving their gifts, like contributing their wisdom into the conversation and the outcomes. So I think that this does go back. Or what, what this is bringing up for me is this whole concept of vulnerability in the workplace which traditionally hasn't been accepted. It's not acceptable to be vulnerable or admit that you don't know or open up the door and ask for other people's opinion because, you know, you don't have the answer. <laughs> um, but there's a culture in a lot of organizations where that's simply not okay. And so it's not so much the individual all the time that gets into these positions, but it's the them following the existing culture that says you're the leader now, therefore you must have all the answers and um, not be open to other people's input. And in this context that we're living in right now, where diversity, equity, inclusion is on the forefront of so many organizations' minds, at least in Canada, but I know that's true uh, in the United States as well, that um, that creating spaces for diversity and inclusion means creating spaces where all voices are heard, are considered, where people can input their own ideas into the direction of the company or new um, ideas for innovation, et cetera. And if we don't have the skill set as leaders to be able to be open to that, which means saying, I don't know, and I would love your insights. Um, then we're going to be in real trouble and we're not going to make much progress on diversity, equity, inclusion in our workplaces. And right now with the way everything is with the grand resignation or the great resignation and with, and with how, how people are responding to job satisfaction, keep in mind that pay is not the number one thing pays like five or six or seven, the rest of it is, am I making a difference? Am I being appreciated? And, and all of those things. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> when I was a, a general manager of a restaurant, and because I was, it was a real physical thing and I had to um, get out and, and bust tables or, or do uh, wash the occasional dish and stuff like that, I bought what they called at that time, I don't even know if they make them today, wash and wear suits. Where if you could, you could take it and it was a full suit, but you could take it and put it in the washer and dryer and it would come out pressed and it would look fine. And, and so one day I was with my district manager, who was my boss. And I, I said to him, as well as several employees that were around, I said, how do you like my suit? It's wash and wear. I just put it in the washer and stuff. And he pulled me aside and he said, don't you ever, ever do that again. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you are the boss. You are in charge. You don't want to show weakness or anything like that to your employees because they won't respect you. In my management career, I found the exact opposite to be true. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I think you just pinpointed a, 
a very common kind of old school model of leadership um, that is still very prevalent today, even though I say old school. And absolutely, people want to know you. People trust people that they know. And when you don't have trust between you and your employees, you're not going to get very far. So there's a book that's written like progress moves at the at the rate of trust or something like that. And it's it's very true. So when you can be a real human being <laughs> and not all high uppity on your horse, um, you're creating connections with people and that will allow them to be more loyal to you, more willing to follow you wherever you go. Um, and and, and it, it's just so important. And as you said earlier, with the great resignation, people want to join communities, not organizations. And they want to be part of something that they feel like they belong to and can, can contribute to. And when there's a lot of ego at play, and there's not a lot of room for people to show up with their own authenticity, because if you're not being authentic as a leader, you're not giving permission for anyone else to be authentic. People don't want that anymore. Yeah, it's a great example. No. <laughs> and I love that suit. Like, does that still exist? <laughs> I don't know. I went to a men's warehouse and I, they, I said, I'm in the restaurant business and and it's a dirty business. And he said, well, you know, you might consider this. And so I did. And, I bought a couple of them. Um, and they worked out, they worked out really well. By the way, if you would like to talk to uh, Amy Leah, you can go to humconsulting.ca. And that's not com. It's .ca because she's in Canada. Um, no, she's in Canada. I know how it's, I know how to say it, honestly. And uh, um, if somebody is, and Leah, if somebody is a, a CEO or is a manager and they're finding they're not having success, and so they call you, how are you going to give us some tips on how you're going to help them become more successful at, at actually managing a company? Yeah, great question. For me, everything starts with the inner work. You know, I believe uh, Gandhi was a, a huge inspiration to me growing up. I actually went to India when I was really young because I was so inspired by that saying, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. Well, the quote was actually, that, that was like the bumper sticker version of it. It's actually much deeper and much more profound, but it essentially says that the world is a reflection, the outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And I think that applies for leadership and organizations as well. So what you see around you in your employees, in the amount of uh, distrust, in the amount of conflict that is going on, in the amount of apathy that is present is somehow a reflection of what's going on within you. And so with leaders, I always start with the inner work. And I actually have a, a five-day retreat and also some other programs where I take leaders and we get to go inside and just ask themselves, like, what are their primary beliefs about leadership? Where did those come from? And are those, are those working still? Like, what's the real impact of behaving in a way that says, as a leader, I must know everything, which is actually the opposite of what real leadership is. Leadership is surrounding yourselves with people who know more than you and then being able to tap into that wisdom. 
So we do a lot of inner exploration. And um, some of that is getting into the work of being able to claim what I call like these shadow qualities, or I don't call them, Carl Jung called them shadow qualities, but uh, these parts of us that we don't always like to admit that we have. <laughs> um, like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like arrogance or uh, jealousy or anger or, um, oh gosh, what, anyways, those, those sorts of qualities. When we walk around the world and we ignore those, we actually end up projecting them out in into the world like insecurity is a good one for a leader so if we can't admit that we're actually insecure that's actually the signal that we give off and then people respond to that if you're coming across as insecure but that's coming out of you as like domineering and um kind of authoritative people pick up on that and then they don't feel safe around you like we said it's like it 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 kills trust in your organization so we get to face those kinds of qualities so people can be aware of them and then choose again, um, choose to show up, find the ways to be more secure in their job by opening up. And often it means accepting more help um, around you and just being open to those suggestions. So in a roundabout way, I have programs for the leaders themselves as a retreat, as one-on-one um, uh, -on -one coaching and in other group programs. And then we also go into the organization as well. And I support them to have these conversations with their teams that create a new kind of culture that really fosters collective um, knowledge, having everybody show up as a leader in the organization, regardless of their role, creating spaces where all knowledge can be heard and where people can listen to each other in different ways. You have something called the circle. And when we come back from this break, I want to dive into that because not only is that a great um, idea for uh, the workplace, it could be great for your church. It could be great for your organization. It could be great for a group of friends that are just getting together and trying to understand life and how to negotiate it well. And the, it's called the circle and she's an expert. So we're going to pick her brain when we come back from this break. You're listening to positive talk radio right here on KKNW 1150 AM. Do you need to boost your sales? Join our partnership program. Each quarter, we promote 10 partner businesses. What will you get? The company will produce one 30-second video for your business. Your website links on positivetalkradio.net and kmmedia.pro. One dedicated podcast or radio show per month. One video Instagram reel. One YouTube short. One 60-second clip for social media taken from your interview, and at least one commercial airplay per show. All podcasts and video commercials are within the fabric of the show and will remain in the show forever. Visit kmmedia.pro to book a consultation today. When you want to say more than words, communicate. You can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. 
your success is our goal. For being our appreciated listener, you can use promo code PTR20 at checkout to receive 20% off your order. Anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. We believe in the power of telling your stories. We want to help yours be seen and heard. At the Pacific Northwest Collaborative Magazine, our purpose is to connect you to your community. Let's begin by celebrating the accomplishments of local artists featured in this brand new digital magazine. Here, you can learn about opportunities to creatively come together and support our local community and neighbors through the gift of art and service. If your business or organization would like to take part in this magazine, message us on Instagram at pnw.collab. You can download our free digital magazine at KM Media Pro today. Thank you to our dedicated fans. We are updating our live on-air schedule to make it super easy for you to hang out with us five days a week, Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, and live on Fridays with Kixie 880 AM Seattle Live. You can find our library to binge all the podcast platforms. We can't wait to see you at 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, starting September 4th, Labor Day 2023. And welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. We've got a great guest for you today who is um, very gifted in the world around us. She studied for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And well, okay, not that many years. She's not that old. But uh, she's, she worked with two people that I value greatly and have had the opportunity to interview them. And she knows who I'm talking about. That would be Gary Zukoff and his lovely wife, Linda, uh, Linda Francis. And they uh, worked together for a period of time. And, and he really is a, a marvelous soul. Uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, he was, um, he wrote a book called Seed of the Soul. And Oprah, maybe you've heard of that one. Oprah Winfrey got a hold of it. And she put it on her uh, her must-read book club and sold. he sold a bunch of copies. He was on her show several times because she was so taken with his message. And uh, they've, they've just done some great works, and, and uh, you have followed them, and you worked with them for a period of time, didn't you? I did, yeah. Thanks for bringing Gary and Linda into this show. They really changed my life and came into a part of my life where I was in a really dark time. So I had the, I, I lived a lot um, in a very similar way in my life, doing a lot of blaming, pointing fingers, uh, telling everybody that was important to me in my life that they were at fault for how it is I was feeling. Uh, some people listening might be able to resonate with that. Most of us. <laughs> and I got to a place in my life where I just, couldn't live like that anymore. I was leaving a relationship. My father had just died. It was a really painful time for me. And I, I was so um, lost and really wanting to understand how I could be more authentic and, and come show the world more love and show the people in my life more love and respect. And I went online and I Googled, um, how do I trust my intuition? Because <laughs> I was really struggling <laughs> to listen to that inner voice that's always guiding us. And Gary Zukov's workshop came up. I didn't know who he was at the time at all. 
And I went to uh, his five-day retreat six months later, and everything changed for me in that moment. Because what Gary and Linda talk about is we're, we're either coming from love or we're coming from fear. And whatever we put back, we put out into the world, we receive in return. And when they taught me these lessons, it was actually quite painful because I could, I had to in that moment take responsibility for everything that I was creating in my own life and the pain that I had caused other people that I really cared dearly about. And so as, as hard as that work was, because it was very, very painful, there was something about it that I knew would be life-changing. And so I continued to work with them for two years, flying back and forth to Portland to go to their, their workshops. And um, I think their work is profound and it really provides the foundation for everything that I teach because I really do think that until we take radical responsibility for what we're putting back out into the world, um, we'll never have the peace and the harmony and the community and the connection that we all really deeply desire at our core. There are two things that I want to bring up at this particular point in time, which I think are really, really important. Number one, in your, in your intuitive self said to you one day, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to look up what intuition is. And, and I, and that didn't come out of nowhere that came out of your intuition and out of your desire to live life a little bit better. And then you did the unthinkable. You actually acted on that intuition when you found Gary and Linda and, and then flew across the country to see them. And I'm sure you had family members going, you're going to go see who and do what and why for five days? What do you have any idea how much it's going to cost? And that all that kind of reasons why you should do stuff. And you had the very best of reasons why you should and look what it did for you. Oh, yeah, a hundred percent, Kevin. I since that time, and it's it's taken a while to really trust that intuition, but it is the number one tool, wisdom, guidance that I use today to make any decision, whether that's who I want to partner with on a business, who I want to say yes to as a client, um, whether it's what I want to put in my mouth, like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> for food. Like our intuition is such a beautiful guidance system. Um, and we are taught in so many ways to not listen to it, right? To say, oh, no, no, the answer is not in here. It's out there. You need to go take this course and follow this person and um, follow this person's advice. And But we actually know what is best for us on it. Like what is best for our higher selves, inside if we just pause and listen. And now it's it, it literally is the only thing that guides me to make decisions today. There are lots of us out there that would say, yeah, I get these intuitive hits from time to time. And I, I it, to change who I am, to recognize that I'm responsible for everything in my life is really a hard lesson to learn because it's so much more fun. <laughs> I blame my ex-wife for yeah, 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 yeah. and I, or, or the, my partner, my business partner or my boss or whatever. But if you take it upon yourself to understand that everything emanates from inside of you, then it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. Yeah. And, and 
I just want to add here too that so much of what we believe was handed down to us you oh, know, yes. from, our, from our parents, from our ancestry, from the culture. Like I talk a lot about in my work, colonization and, you know, people coming here and really causing a lot of harm to indigenous first nations and um, native Americans um, for a really long period of time. And there were certain belief systems that had to be put in place to have that be happen, have that happen. Um, and we are all impacted by that kind of top down, um, domineering kind of way of being and, and a lack of trust. And I think what, what really happened during that period was a, a huge separation because in order to cause the harm that we were able to cause to other population groups, we had to be disconnected from them. And in order to cause the harm we've caused to the earth through not really thoughtful, extractive practices, um, we had to be disconnected from the earth too. But the the spiritual teachings and the indigenous teachings and any teachings that are ancient tell us that we are interconnected beings. And I think the more that we can settle into that belief, the more that we will be start to really take responsibility for how we act in the world because we can't ignore that we're always having an impact on the world around us, on the people that we love and care about, and even those we don't. Exactly. Exactly. You know, when I was growing up, I grew up Lutheran. And um, so, but I never heard anyone say what I'm about to say to you. Uh, and then, then, uh, I had this, this moment in time when it was like, why am I here? What am I really here to do? And I started picking up books that spoke to me and I, I wanted to read one of which was journey of souls by Dr. Michael Newton. And another one was, uh, conversations with God. And another one was, um, um, seed of the soul. And in conversations with God, he's made a reference that I had never heard. It's an Eastern philosophy, but I wasn't studying Eastern philosophy. And I never heard the term, we are all one. Mm -hmm. And when you analyze that term, that's just four little words. But when you analyze that, that we are all one, it's like, holy crap, we can't be mean to other people because we're being mean to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, it really is an enlightening point of view when you can say to yourself, I, it doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter who they love, we're all one, we come from the same place, we're going back to the same place, and it's our job to treat each other with the utmost respect, faith, kindness that we can, because that there are brothers and sisters, whether we want to admit it or not. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it is not the messaging that me as a white person have, have um, been given my, my life. I think most other cultures in the world actually have a belief of interconnectedness and even use terms like brothers and sisters and cousins and aunties and uncles. That was not in my dialect, like growing up. Um, and so I learned a lot from traveling around the world and getting to work with other cultures um, in terms of these ways of being uh, that are really quite, there's a comfort in that. When you walk around the world and see everybody around you as a relative, including the trees and the plants 
like there's safety in that so much so that it, it doesn't matter necessarily so much what your reality is because you've got all these folks around you that are your relatives that that love you deeply even if that they're you're not necessarily seeing that or they don't necessarily know about it yeah we, I interviewed a gentleman not too long ago who lived in Dubai for a number of years. And our, our my thoughts are, well, it's the Middle East. I mean, it must have been dangerous. And and he told me about the time that he was going to buy a car. And uh, the cars were expensive. He put the money into a briefcase. He said it was about $100,000. And he carried the briefcase to the car dealership, gave him the money, got the car, went home and he was scared to death the entire time. And until the, the, uh, on the way back, he mentioned that to the taxi driver and he said, no, that's how we all are. Everybody carries money around. Nobody steals from anybody because there's no, it's not them. It doesn't belong to them. And so there are places in the world where you can go where it's a, it's a different type of belief structure than we have here, certainly in the United States. I think Canada is a little bit more um, um, grounded than we are, but uh, I, I don't know that for certain because you guys won't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I think that's a, it's a good point. And it's, it's really, a, you know, media, you know, we're, we're on a media platform here, but this show is called Positive Talk Radio. So I, w I won't say that, won't put this in that category, but there's a lot of um, trauma-inducing media out there that sensationalizes what's happening in the world. And it that sells, right? That's a great way to get people hooked into uh, watching shows. And that's kind of what our media shows up like in a lot of ways these days. Um, but it skews the reality of it all where we're seeing like two, 3% of what is actually going on in the world. Most of what's going on in the world, including North America is loving kindness, people showing up for one another. And all you have to do is start changing what you're tuning into. That includes what news channels are you watching? What radio programs are you listening to? And what are you looking at when you walk down the street? Are you, are you tuned into the positive acts of kindness or are you tuned into everything that is going wrong in the world? And whatever you're tuned into, you're going to receive. So it really, again, talking about personal responsibility, that comes back to each of us as individuals to say, what is the world that I want to live in? And then making the choice, taking the action, like you said, to live in that way. It is an important thing for all of us to remember. Um, and, you know, I, a lot of us have, have things happen in our life and experiences that we get to have that help us understand those things. Like mm -hmm. I was a, I was a bus driver for 12 years. Well, being a bus driver, I get to talk to the bottom third or bottom, they, they, we called it the bottom 3% of homeless people, drug induced, you know, a lot of, a lot of negative stuff, but they're just people. They're doing the best they can. And if you accept them as who they are, as a human being, came from the same place, that you are their brother or their sister, and then it puts a different light on it. And one of the things that you do to put a different light on it is you have something that you call the circle. Can we talk about that? Yeah, great. I was just thinking about that as you were sharing. 
Yeah, the circle essentially brings everything we're talking about to life real time. So if you have an organization where there is lack of engagement and there are maybe a lot of conflicts going on and just a lot of disruption that is um, interfering with the, the cohesive culture, one really effective way is to start gathering together in a different way. That's not your typical board meeting or the person up at the front and all the other people sitting uh, watching, um, but where you actually physically sit in a circle. Uh, no tables in front of you to create that barrier, but chairs. It mimics sitting in a circle, which is actually um, inherent in all of us. If we go back to in all of our ancestors, like hundreds of thousands of years ago, they all started gathering around these fires. And that's where community was formed. They shared stories. That's where governance structures were formed. Safety, food was created. Um, and it was a, a way of being, but we've moved so far away from that. So what circle does, and really it's a technique, but it's, it's really a way of being in the world where you, where we sit down and, um, pose a question and every single individual gets to share, uh, their viewpoints. What's, what's in their heart to say about that. And we do that by passing a talking piece around and when you have the talking piece, you're the knowledge keeper and everyone is listening. And then the next person, you pass that along and they become the knowledge keeper and everyone listens to them. And in sitting in this way, there's a number of things that happen. But first of all, you get to understand what you know, because nobody is interrupting you in that space, cutting you off, giving you advice, you know, doing how we do in these one-on-one -on -one conversations all the time. And so you actually get a full thought out of your body, which is like miraculous in so many ways. And then as you're listening to other people's stories, you're actually learning about yourself in that journey. And what you find is that you're not so different from each other, that we have so many threads that connect us more so than what keeps us apart. And that's the beauty of circle, that diversity is able to be there and not feel threatened, that you can reestablish your interconnectedness and how similar you are. And you get to know yourself deeper because you actually get to the space and time to tune into your inner wisdom. And what happens in these circles? I've been in a couple. They, they are, first of all, if you have the opportunity to be in a circle, please, please, please do it. Uh, be, because I'll, I'll tell you what happens is if you have, if it's your turn to talk and you have something that's on your heart, maybe it has to do with your child or your relationship or your, your work life or whatever it is. And you are open because see everybody that's in that circle is opening to you. And they're, they're not looking for a reason to dispute what you're saying or to argue with you. They're working diligently to understand what you're saying, why you're saying it. And then that's when profound wisdom comes out. Do you find that? That was my experience. Was that, is that normal? <laughs> it's absolutely normal. Yeah. And I mean, I've been hosting these for years and it's still... Um, I'm in awe every time I get to sit in circle and see that unfold for people. Yeah. 
if we have time, I'm, I'm happy to share these three agreements that we hold. Um, that might be a nice tool for people to take away. Let's 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 do it. <laughs> okay. Oh, but for, but first, I want to I want to make sure that Amy Leah is our guest, and go to hum h u m consulting dot c a, and you can talk to her, and they do things worldwide. So um, you'll be able to. Um, invite her into your organization and she doesn't even have to physically show up. She can do it all online, which is beautiful these days. Anyway, go ahead. What are the three rules? Yeah. And so I, I call them agreements because rules, I don't know, for me, I kind of like, I feel like I'm back in grade school with a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> three agreements. <laughs> three agreements. So these, uh, you know, when I'm working with a group long term, we co-create agreements together. But these are great ones when I come in and I'm doing a talk or uh, just running a half day workshop, for example. And the three agreements are invite in curiosity, keep stories sacred, and radical acceptance. So I'll just explain them briefly. So first of all, when we sit in circle, we invite in curiosity. Like you just said, everyone is there to just be curious about what's, what, what wisdom does that person hold. When curious curiosity is present, judgment cannot be there. So anytime you are feeling judgment, people are listening. If you can remind yourself to like, oh, how can I be curious in this moment? Like, first of all, why am I being judgmental or why am I reacting so strongly? And how can I be more curious about what this person is saying or what their opinion is? For example, hmm, I wonder how their life experience is different than mine that is leading them to have this different view, you know? So that's number one. Number two, keep stories sacred. It's like when you're sharing uh, with somebody and I know we're talking about circle, but you can use this in any one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, listen to them like, and, and keep their story sacred. So it's, it's when somebody is sharing with you, you're really holding that space for them to share. And you're not going to be passing this information along to other people. It's so sacred when people can just be vulnerable and honest with you and know that their story is going to stay there. But to keep the story sacred, you need to listen to it. So stop interrupting. Stop giving advice. Stop coaching people <laughs> and just create space for them to share. It's so healing when we do that. And then the third one is radical acceptance. And that's really radical acceptance for you and how you are in that present moment, but also radical acceptance for who the other people are and their life experiences, knowing that we're not here to change ourselves or them, but can we just be okay with the current situation as it is. And these three principles, um, I use them everywhere. And they're brilliant for really showing up and creating conversations where I can deeply connect with whoever is in front of me, regardless of how different we seem on the outside or how different our opinions happen to be. You know, it's interesting, and, and I love to focus on judgment if I can. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you are in a state of judgment, you are no longer listening. Yes. When you are no longer listening, you have already formed an opinion that may or may not be based in fact. It may be based on the story that you told yourself or your mom or dad told you this story years ago. And so you are, you lose the opportunity to learn when yeah. you are in judgment of people. Is that, is that a fair, <laughs> I, I uh, believe that firmly. 
I I love that. Exactly. It's so interesting when we start to pay attention. I do this exercise in my workshops where I get people to talk for like they pair up. One person just shares something going on in their life for five minutes. The other person, all they're doing is observing all the thoughts that start coming up for them during this five minutes that they're just sitting there and listening to this person. We are constantly interpreting other people through our past experiences, stories, whatever, like we're making up stuff all the time. And so to be able to acknowledge that and then just keep calming the mind, coming back to curiosity, be present, like that, that's, it takes work because we're not, <laughs> we mostly have been going through our life just interpreting everything through old stories, like you said. So yeah, it's absolutely true. Well, in the circle that I was in, mm-hmm. when it became my turn to talk, I, f- I felt compelled to talk about what I call my bad country music song, period. Okay. <laughs> my dad died. My dog died. My wife left. I lost my house. Had to declare bankruptcy. Hit a bridge with a truck. Of all mm. had to, and uh, was sued for $50,000. And the response that I got from them was not only holy crap, that's a lot to go wrong in a short period of time. This is like a three-year period. But they were, they were genuinely sympathetic to the, and they said, it appears like you're still suffering from that and you haven't healed through it yet because of your body language and how you're acting. And so they were very, they were very kind and very, very loving. And, and it actually helped me move the process along because I was getting validation that I hadn't given it up yet. And I was going to fight for it for every bone in my body. And, but it, they helped me. And that's what happens in these circles because it's nothing more than humanity getting together and, and, and talking to each other. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. It really is. Yeah. You, you remind me of, um, one story that I'll share with, um, so I work a lot with indigenous communities here uh, in, well, in many places. Um, and of course, I think it hit the news worldwide that um, there's a certain technology that came about this year that allowed us to really see the number of graves uh, outside of these residential schools that indigenous kids were forced to go to for the last hundred and so years. And, um, you know, this is an ugly history in Canada and in the U S and in many other places around the world. And for mostly we've been doing a, ignoring the real atrocity of that all and the impacts that still sit there with these indigenous communities, like those people saw in you, like, oh, this is still with you. So I was having this circle, it was indigenous elders, and we were sitting in one of these residential schools and we were looking out, you know, and the doors were open and you could see the grave sites. And this elder said, uh, the people are listening now meaning us, non-Indigenous people. They're listening now to these stories because this technology hit the, the news waves. Because of that, I can heal. I can start my healing journey. Because when we are sitting here carrying around all this stuff and nobody's listening, there's no space for us to be heard, we cannot heal. And it seems like that's exactly what happened to you in that space, that that being witnessed 
allowed for something to shift in you and that you were able to move on to the next step, whatever that is. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it's, and it's, it's really, really empowering. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it was, it was quite something. So there are circles that are around. I highly suggest Now, Do you do them remotely or do they have to be in the same room? I do them remotely. And when we're in the same room, it is so it, there's, there's, it's, it's more powerful. I can't ignore it. During COVID, I would have said, no, it's exactly the same. <laughs> but now that I'm back in person in a lot of places, there is something different that happens. And it's, it's both and yeah. Amy Leah has been our guest and go to humconsulting.ca. I've got uh, about two minutes left in the program. I'm going to shut up now. And I want you to tell our audience anything that you would like them to know. Thanks, Kevin. Well, it's just been a great honor to be here with you today. I love what you're up to uh, on this program. It brings me joy that you're spreading love and positive energy. We need more of that in the world. Um, yeah. What do I want people to know? I want people to know that um, they are amazing <laughs> and um, to find the spaces that they can surround themselves with people that uh, listen to them and that can lift them up and really hold space. Um, we all, we all need that in our lives. That has been a huge healing journey for me. And I am on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I, I love to be in conversation with people. So I would love for people to reach out and have a conversation, um, and connect. That's bring me a lot of joy. <laughs> uh, in my life. Yeah. Well, I just have to tell you that, that I get the, I get the rare opportunity to meet you, to talk with you. You, you are dynamic in, in your presence and you are very smart at what you do. You can change the culture of businesses wherever you go. If they just, all they have to do is do one little itty bitty teeny weeny thing, which I realize CEOs are terrible at. All you got to do is listen. Listen for just a couple of minutes and you can maybe get a new perspective on life. I, I had a guy that he was a general manager at this restaurant before me. I got to go, but this, he had a 300% turnover and he said, well, that's just the way the market is. That's just the way the area is. And these people, they come and they go. I dropped that to 100% or less the first year because I talked to them. Yes. On, on Friday night, it was like, we're going to be busy. Everybody get excited. We're going to have fun. And they had never heard anything like that before. And it was really, it was really cool. And they, and they appreciated it. Um, so be kind to each other and talk to your employees like they're actually, I don't know, people. That would be fun, wouldn't it? So, <laughs> and thank you for being here so much. Go again to humconsulting.ca. Thank you so much. You, it's, it's great to talk to you again. And you're coming back, right? Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Because <laughs> <laughs> we ain't done yet. We got more to talk about. And by the way, do me a favor, please. Do yourself a favor. Be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you Wednesday at 4 on KKNW. 